So just so you know, um, this portion of the meeting today will be um, taped and that allows some of the folks that weren't able to be here to look at it, view it this week coming up. And then do know that next week we will be voting as a, as a church family um, to um, bring Adam here to do our interim. So without any other further ado, I'm going to hand the uh, stage over again to Adam and Stephanie. So again, thank you for being here. So it has been really great to be here this weekend, and uh, we're going to do this kind of in, two, well, three stages. The first stage will be uh, a little slideshow that mostly Stephanie will speak about, just to let you know about our family and uh, where we come from and our kind of our journey. We'll kind of tag that together. And then the second thing will be the five-stage process that you're getting a handout. Uh, I will walk through that. If you do have something to write with, you might want to take some notes as we go along. But that will be up on the screen, too. And then the third thing um, will be just a question and answer time. So even you can use that piece of paper um, while we're going through some of this. If you have a question, write it down, you know, so you can remember it. Um, gladly try to answer as many questions as I can um, about the process, about us, and and what we do, and and just who we are. So... I will let Stephanie take it from here. Uh, this is just a little bit of uh, introducing our family. We've been married for 37 years, um, 36 years in ministry, so <laughs> been side by side for a long time, um, and thankful for each other and how we complement one another in the ministry. So I'm always thankful for Stephanie and her her support of me. Now she. She she has a lot of abilities, but her her steadiness alongside of me and support of the church general in general um, is just invaluable. So I'll let you take from there, Steph. Okay, so here's a little get to know you, the Wolfgang slideshow. Um, this is our daughter Anna, and uh, when she was attending school in in Texas, she met Phil, and they got married, and they now live in Texas still, um, and they have two children, Joshua and Evelyn. Anna um, was a big part of our worship team when she was growing up in our churches, and um, in Gaylord, Michigan, she served on the worship team. And then went on to serve in her church uh, at, at her church now. She's one of their um, hired staff people. Um, and then Abraham is our second child, and uh, he and Laura, his wife, live in Colorado. They also met at the same school in Texas, Laternal University. And they have four children: Evan, Andy, Adeline, and Connor. And uh, they're just a delight. All of our grandchildren are a delight to us. We love them so much. Abe is an engineer, and uh, he works in the Dallas, Texas area, or Dallas, no, uh, no, no, Denver, Colorado area. <laughs> and see, I didn't rehearse this, and I didn't even know I was supposed to do it. So <laughs> there you go. You get what you get. Um, this has been our third child, and... Um, he waited a little longer to get married. He met Faith in uh, in the church that he's in was in in, in Illinois, and um, they have 
married just within the last few weeks, and they live in Peoria area, and um, he is an engineer at Caterpillar, and we're hoping for more grandchildren. It's, it's his birthday today, too. Yes, it's his birthday. Yeah, he's 30, today. He's 31. 30, he's 31. This is our youngest, Jason. He brought laughter to our lives. He was uh, the fun child. All three of the, the previous children became engineers, and so you, if you know an engineer, you know kind of how they think. It's a little different, and it's a little wonky, but it's okay. You love them anyways. And uh, Jason uh, ended up going into ministry, and uh, he is now a, a, he is an assistant to the uh, youth pastor at a big church in Peoria, Illinois area. And he met his wife, Sam, in college. And they have three children. One's a newborn, and you'll get to see that in the next slide, Taylor and Libby. Taylor was actually named after um, my parents, my maiden name. So that was kind of cool. And then uh, they named their new baby Roy. And uh, Roy is named after Adam's dad. So that's cool. They've got some family names there. Is that it? No, there's more. OK, I'm clicking. You want to make it work? Uh, I had trouble with it. Oh, oh. now it, did, it jumped to, okay, oh, well, yeah. the, you could have skipped that one. <laughs> I took this picture and did a Facebook selfie because I love kumquats. I absolutely love kumquats, and I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of them, and uh, I have a kumquat tree, so that's me being goofy. Okay. And then uh, in Maine, we enjoyed our time there at an interim uh, assignment, and, and then again in Medina, Ohio. Um, both of those experiences were wonderful, and um, I, I kept thinking, you know, the, after the first one, I just love that congregation so much, I can't believe God would be able to top that. And then we went to Medina, and not that it was topped, but it was equaled at least, and uh, we love those people. So I'm beginning to understand in this ministry how you can love a congregation so deeply um, in just a year's time. Um, there was a big full family picture, too. That must have been missed somewhere. Way back? Yeah. Oh, oh there. there yeah, yeah, there's yeah. the, we just, uh, after the wedding, we stayed at um, some cabins in Illinois, and that's the whole family there, and you can see my parents in their 90s in the center. We drug them along with us to go to the wedding, and they were great troopers in spite of the um, difficulties at your age when you're 90. Um, it was just a fun time to gather as a family, though, and Ben and Faith actually, <clears throat> while they were on their honeymoon, made their way over to join us for one evening. So that was fun. Okay, so now skipping ahead again, Roy is uh, Adam's dad. He's 92, and uh, he and my parents are located in the same uh, 55 and over community that we have our home in, and in Zephyr Hills, Florida. And that is kind of by design that we helped his dad move there because that way I can be of help to him when, um, when he needs me and my parents as well. This is Buddy. <clears throat> when, before, we, uh, just before we were called to go into interim ministry, um, I, we brought him into our home, and he's been a great comfort to me. Just I love dogs, and um, he's always at my heels. But then when we went into interim, interim ministry, I wasn't sure what we were going to do with him, but uh, you don't just get rid of a dog because you're moving, uh, unless it's completely impossible. But we 
prayed and God has allowed us to find a way to take him along with us. Um, Adam is from oh, I can take it from Raised there. Up. Yeah, I've got oh, this one. Okay, um, I wanted to just, I'll walk through the churches. This is my home church. This is where I was raised, Turner Free Methodist Church. Um, very, I come from a very small, small town. Um, the I didn't live in town, but the towns were like 150, 180 people. And so my, my upbringing was this, these four walls of this little church. And so thankful for the training that I received in that little local church that discipled me up to continue on to full-time ministry. So I'm always, you know, so thankful for those, the faithful congregation that was a part of that. And we were part of the Free Methodist denomination. That's, we both grew up in that. And so when I had the call upon my life to follow after Christ and follow into full-time ministry, um, that's what I went. I went to a free Methodist school to get my education. And our first assignment was Ross Common Free Methodist Church, <clears throat> which was very similar to what I grew up in. But what's interesting about this, you'll see that little wing off of the church there. That was the parsonage. And uh, you, when you went out the kitchen, you stepped into the foyer. And when you we went, have some interesting stories about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And when you went out the living room door, you were in the sanctuary. That's how close it was. And, uh, and our living room doubled as the nursery. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. Wood burner, wood burner upstairs and downstairs. So we, we burned, and they didn't have any money for good wood. So we burned pine all winter long, 40 cord, you know, that we would cut every year, you know. Yeah. What are we? Uh, Porter Free Methodist Church was their second church. We were Free Methodist Church was at that time. At that time, was more. It's an appointment system, and they would move you every two or three years. Now, looking back at it, I look at you know because that's not really the best thing to do. But looking back at it, for me, like I had to learn a new congregation every two to three years, and like how far could I take them before I got moved on to the next church, kind of thing. And what do I do now? I mean, I've kind of shrunk it down, but um, of being training myself to get in with a group of people, understand them, and then go from there. So Porter was our second one, which is kind of outside of uh, Saginaw, Michigan. Um, Alpena Free Methodist Church, uh, that's on um, Lake Huron. We were four mile, or four blocks from Lake Huron. Well, we actually were able to buy a boat and uh, an old Lund and, and do salmon fishing. Uh, that was the first time I ever did that, and that was a that was a great congregation. We were there for five years, a little bit longer there because we were uh, they were pushing for church planting, and um, they kind of tapped us on the shoulder many times and said, "Would you go and see if get trained? Would you go and get assessed if you could do church planting, kind of thing?" And finally, we said, "Okay, we'll go and." Um, through that training and assessment, they said, you know, you, you're, we'll back you wherever you go. You've got it, and we want to be in support of that. So coming out of Alpena Free Methodist Church, actually, the last year I was there, I was doing double time between that church and Gaylord Family Fellowship. You probably heard Gaylord, Michigan, in the news just recently. They had a tornado that went through there again. Um, it was interesting that it wasn't a tornado, but it was they say very high winds uh, when before this building was in place. And actually, because of it, 
we got the property to put the building on because of a tornado. But we were there for 18 years, which was great because they don't move pastors in church plants. And we were able to raise our children there. And that when our children talk about home, they talk about Gaylord, Michigan. And, and in, so I understand the church plant. I, I've been a founding pastor. Um, and so I understand where some of the steps that you have walked through in being a, 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 an emerging church, a church that's come out of nothing. We had two other couples that were with us. And we, for seven years, we moved from facility to facility. We, we lived out of a, you know, our church lived out of a trailer that we unpacked and packed up every single Sunday, you know, until we finally got a piece of ground and we're able to put up this, this building and that church is doing fine. It was at this point where we really felt like we needed to make a break from the denominational church that we were a part of and say, we need to go, we feel theologically that we need to go independently and just see where God leads us. And the church was gracious, and of course, their appointment system, so they would have someone appointed in, but they were allowed us to be able to search where God would have us next. And that dropped us into Oglesby Union Church. But prior, to, during that time of searching, that's when I came across IPM. Um, and it just intrigued me, and it was like I called them up, and I said, I want to know more about this. Can I come to your training? And they said, no, you're too young. You're not old enough. Uh, I got enough years, but I, because most people who do this are retired, and they have an income to fall back on because it's not guaranteed work. And so they said, you know, you, you need to be 50 or above if we even consider you. So I just kind of put that on the back burner. We served there for five years, and it was in the fourth year that was like, I couldn't get this out of my mind, and so I finally called them back up, and I was past that age now, and they said, yeah, you can come, and when I went through the training and walked through it, they, you know, it just clicked. It was like, okay, this is what I need to do, and uh, so went back to the church, and we walked together through that whole year um, until they found a new pastor, and then I went full-time into IPM, so that was the transition point for us there. Um, our first assignment was Machias Valley Baptist Church in Machias, Maine. Um, boy, if you're ever up that way, stop in there. Um, and we were there for 18 months during COVID or when COVID started. So we walked with that congregation, with that leadership through, uh, through that. A lot of things um, that were accomplished there beyond just finding them a pastor. Um, and uh, great, I would say, a great place to cut my teeth in doing what I do now. Um, and the pastor uh, that we brought in, or the Vaughns, it was interesting, they had a pastor that had, had founded that church, and they've been there for 50 years. 50 years. And, and at Machias Valley Baptist. And, and then he handed it off to his son, and within a couple years, he, he passed away. I mean, I think he knew that something, and he, he passed away. And it was after that, then his son morally and and then and then they brought in another pastor and and that didn't work out and then they brought in another pastor and that didn't work out all those pastors were young so when I walked through the doors of the church they said okay we want somebody who's 50 years old or more you know and so this is who we got and uh, <laughs> he's 27 um, 
And, but I just, I tell that story because it, it does change. Going through the process allows you to realize that, yeah, you might have some preconceived notion of who, who the next pastor should be, what they should be like. It might change. I mean, this, this guy fit the bill, even though he's not 50 years old and, you know, he's 27. And uh, they, they came all the way from New Mexico uh, to make that trip. And then our, where we just came from, uh, May 1st was our last Sunday there, Weymouth Community Church in Medina, Ohio, another independent church. Um, and uh, that, was, that was the time when COVID restrictions now were being lifted. And so it was helping that church to get going again, to get ministries going back up again and everything else and just walking with them through this whole process. And, and a, a whole other story about the Durbins being called there and what was interesting is they were only 40 minutes away <laughs> we went from new mexico all the way to maine and then this one was only 40 minutes away and another difference was um the, the amount of resumes when i was in maine was like 95 resumes and and zach vaughn was number 55 when i we went to Medina, ohio we only got 14 or 15 resumes and I, I called around to find out, you know, like, is that normal? And they said, yeah, now it is. It is normal. But this was the first guy we interviewed. And it was just like right off the bat, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. You know, wow, so close. And God answered so many prayers there. So um, I, I think I got two more. Or wait, wrong way. Um, I put this picture up there because this is a part of my life that um, I like to connect with other pastors. And these are all pastors up in Maine. Um, what a group. <laughs> uh, and, and it's just, uh, I've done that in other areas too, where I like to know my brothers in Christ and where we can connect together. I want to do as much. And of course, I'm very conscious of being like-minded and, and along those lines. But um, there are times when the body of Christ can come together. And so I, I put that up there. And uh, this is home base. This is where we downsized quite a bit um, from a 10 acres in northern Michigan with a 40 by 60 pole barn that I could turn anything around inside uh, to two little sheds that I have now. But, but it, it makes sense. It makes sense for us to, to live there and to be by our parents and to um, live live. A, in a way that we don't have a lot of upkeep on it. I'm not there as much as Stephanie is, and um, but it is a place to call home. And we're always thankful when we, like if we take a vacation and we go back to our house instead of going to one of the kids, we go back to our house. We, it's home. It's home to us, so I'm really thankful for that. So any questions there about our family, anything related to our family? We only get together uh, like every two years. Um, what, when you like saw that full shot, that's usually what it works out when we get the whole family together. So on the off years, we take our vacations and we go, we travel to our kids and grandkids kind of thing. Anyway. Otherwise, we can, we can push on to the next one. I don't know if you need to load that up, the next yeah, yeah, thanks, stuff. Okay, does this have it in 
where I can click through it. Oh. So it doesn't come up in stages. No. Okay. Well, I can do it this way. This is the five stages um, that I will walk with you through. And what I'm going to do is work from uh, left to right. And I'm going to just present things that deal with each one of these stages over and over again, kind of build the picture for you of it. So from the left side, the very first stage is connect with people. And so I come in and I try to have as many conversations and interviews as I possibly can with the congregation of WCC. And so a congregation this size, I'm hoping that I would have at least 100 conversations where you would, I would give you like seven questions ahead of time. You, these are just starters of what we talk about. And what I do is I listen for things in common that you're saying. I don't write down your name. I don't say, oh, so-and-so said. <laughs> I don't do any of that. I just listen for the things that are in common that come up, and I register those down. The next step is assess, assess church health. That's stage number two, where we pull in a diagnostic tool to say, hey, let's use this tool to see what the larger congregation says about things. And lots of times what I'm looking for is, are there things using this tool, this outside tool, that line up with some of the things I'm hearing? Okay? And I'll, I've got another slide about that tool because there's a new, I used to do uh, the NCD, the National Church Development. And it was a tool that looked at eight different church health areas. We have a new tool that's out called the MIT, which is Ministry Insight Tool, that is specifically made for churches in transition. And I'm hoping to use it here for the very first time. Because I think it, it draws out specifically churches in transition, what, what things you, you will say as a congregation are things that we need to look at more deeply. So, so we'll assess church health. Then in stage three, once we have, I'll, we'll give a report to the congregation saying the survey says, and I will give a report of like the things that we should work on based off of my conversations with you, based off the results of the survey, and then based off my own observations. I'm going to be living with you. I'll be with you. I'll be alongside of you. Um, so I'm, I'm watching as this congregation moves uh, amongst itself. And so putting those three together, we bring a report back to the congregation and say, these are the four or five things that we feel that we need to work on before calling the next pastor. Phase three is facilitate uh, transition action. That's when the elders will put together a transition team I'll say these are the four or five things that we need to look at. Who are the best people to have around the table? To, and, and lots of times for them to listen, them to listen to what the congregation is saying about those things. And so we take a deeper dive into those areas. And lots of times when that group is together, that group will be together for eight to ten weeks. Um, I'll also do some team building within that group. So they get that sense that we're, we're a group together working on this. And one of the things I do is uh, there's a spiritual gift 
um, study called Your Divine Design by Chip Engram that is just tremendous. And sometimes I will take that group through there where they understand what spiritual gifts are and how to, how to really um, affirm the spiritual gifts in others. And lots of times what happens after that, then it, that program gets rolled out to the whole congregation for the congregation to be a part of. So they will look at deep dive into those issues Lead to session number four, lead strategic planning, where they will say, we're not just going to talk about it. We're also going to say, we need some first steps in each one of these areas. And we need to, what are these first steps? And all this happens before we search for a pastor because we want to, we want to present a church that's moving forward. And so we will, when we get to that point, then we'll come back before the congregation again, give a report and say, we've looked into these four or five issues, and here is a plan that we're presenting to take steps in those directions to greater health in those directions. And lots of times, that, then that becomes the directives of the church. And in the church in Ohio, uh, we have four things. And when we got down to that, and the transition team met together, and they dug deep into these, and then they, pro they provided the plan we presented it to the congregation, and then when we actually posted the position, we actually put those four directives on there. We wanted any candidate to know, we wanted them to know, these are the things that we're working on. These are the things we're already concerned about, and we're going forward in these. And you know, would you join us? We're not asking you to come and change. We're, we're asking you to join us in these things that we are working on, that we've done by our own inventory of ourselves. Then, then it leads into coaching the pastor search team. At that point, you've probably learned a lot of things about yourself. Um, some, maybe some things have changed. And so we put that search team together to, first off, Create a profile of your community, profile of your church, and profile of the pastor. We do a very professional um, description of those things that will go onto your website, um, and it will allow any candidates, uh, people that want to apply, they'll get a pretty good, really good snapshot of Washera, Watoma, of, of this church, and what the church is looking for in a pastor. And, and it's, it's, it's a lot more than what other churches might do. Other churches might just put up, here's a job description. No, we want to give them a good picture of what this church is all about. And, and depending on the search team and the ability that we have, we can do a lot of links. I mean, that person, if they're really interested in, in WCC, if they're really interested in this area, they will really, they'll start digging deeper. And if we can give them the avenue to dig deeper, you know, it just, it's good. Uh, at this point, I would say that we do all of this upfront work before we ever post the position because we want to present a church to whoever's going to apply as a church that's moving. We're not stagnant. You're going to get a different type of person that will apply that when they see, oh, this is a church that's already moving. And I, I want to be a part of a church like that that's growing and going forward. So now if I go through that list again, just to say stage one, lots of times it deals with the past. Stage two deals with the present. What's the present situation? 
Stage three is a little bit, it's a push now. It's a push maybe into looking at things differently or looking at these issues that are there. Stage four is the plan. We put together a plan. And then stage five, of course, the focus is on the pastor. Back through it one more time. Stage one, the main thing is the important interviews or conversations that I have with as many of you as possible. Stage two, the big thing is the diagnostic tool, the, the survey that we will take as a congregation that will help us see where collectively where we land on issues. The third stage, the main thing is the transition team, putting that team together that will spend eight to 10 weeks together and, and really melt together and look deeply at these things. Stage four is securing that mission and vision is really taking those things and saying, okay, how do we go forward? We've got a mission. We've got a vision. How do we go forward with these changes that might need to be there? And then number five is searching for values. We're searching for values when it comes to a pastor. And so lots of times um, I'm helping you to gain discernment about what you need in a pastor. And where where am I going to get that? discernment from, coming from the message this morning. Yeah, from the Word of God, from the Scriptures, yeah. Uh, helping us find discern, get discernment so that we are looking at a pastor it, that is described in the Word of God, as described in the Word of God. So this bottom line here is all dealing with that. We're looking for someone with character, with biblical character. We're looking for someone who's competent, um, who, who can, can do what a pastor needs to do, not just one area. I always talk about we're looking for somebody who's passionate in the pulpit and he's personable in the pew, um, that there's both sides of that when it comes to being a pastor, being a shepherd. Uh, we're looking at chemistry. Um, that's why me living with you through this whole period, I really get to know you and I get to know what you're like, and lots of times, I'm not the one picking the pastor, but I can discern when, when resumes and interviews come through, <laughs> yeah, no, this is not WCC. <laughs> this, this person does not match the chemistry that is there kind of thing. So we look for someone who fits in with this community, with this church. Capacity, the capacity to grow, that this is a growing person, they're, they're not, they're not, they they they're continuing to grow in their walk with Christ, and then calling, calling. There's a true calling. There's going to be a lot of people that apply for a job. They're applying for a job, and you'll sense it. They're just applying for a job. Then there'll be one that will come along, and you realize, oh man, there's a calling there. They they feel called to come to this place, you know. And so we're looking for a person who sees it more than a job, but it's a it's a calling upon their life to come to Washera Community Church. Okay, and, and one other thing that's not there is a big thing for me is I'm looking for humility. I'm looking for humility. I'm looking for someone who is, who um, I remember in Ohio when we had our in-person visit with the search team and the elder team and the candidate was there. It wasn't the candidate weekend yet. It was a a, a visit beforehand, and when he got done doing his devotional and everything like that, I mean, that guy, he was not trying to sell you something. He was not trying to sell himself. 
He was humble. He brought you the word of God. And, he, and, and it was just amazing. I mean, tear, I turned around, tears were flowing down the search team's eyes, you know, because, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for bringing through our door the person that we, that will help us continue to grow together. So, um, the MIT, the Ministry Insight Tool, this is the new um, survey. This is different than the NCD that I used before. The NCD only used 30 people. The 30 people had to be members, and they had to be um, in ministry roles. This one blankets the whole congregation. So we're going to try to get everybody to take this survey. And it's, as I said before, it specifically looks at churches in transition. And it's uh, a tool to expose present reality, potential concerns, and planning helps. It takes about 25 minutes uh, online. They have also told me that there's a paper copy of this. So if you can't do it online, there will be a paper copy that you can do, and we will have someone that will feed it online so it gets in with the whole mix of everybody else that's there. Once that is done, there will be a full report of findings back to the congregation. So there will be a meeting that we will call, and it is great. It's the interaction of this. You'll come in to that meeting. You'll get a sheet of paper that has uh, like eight or ten different things that are on there, and I'll ask you ahead of time, uh, Mark on your sheet where you are in with this issue. Mark on there right now. So you'll mark on there right now. And I'll say the survey says, <laughs> and you'll get to see what the whole congregation, where the congregation landed on, on this thing. And, and especially where there's a lot of agreement, um, those will bring out to the surface and say, oh, these are the things we need to work on. And who, who decided that? Yeah, you, you decided all of that, you know. I, I just feel like this tool will, I, I like the NCD, but this tool will get us farther down the road quicker, too. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there is no timeline, official timeline. Okay. They like things to happen with a year and 18 months, but, but some situations take longer than that. You know, it depends on the church. It depends on maybe what they're working on in a church. It depends on um, the receptivity of the members of the church um, to it, because it is asking, uh, you're, this is going to be a different year for you. But I have a timeline, because <laughs> I need a timeline that helps me keep moving through it. So when I say connect with the people, if I was to come uh, in a couple weeks up here or in the next week, then I would look at July and August as a time when I would try to get all that connection done with the people, okay, July and August. And during that time also, we're doing the MIT, we're doing the online survey, we're, we're encouraging that people to get that in so that uh, like after Labor Day, then we would have that meeting giving insight of where we land and what we think we should work on. So end of September, October, November, this is when this elder team would put a transition team together and they would work on those things. Hopefully that by either pre-Thanksgiving or just after Thanksgiving, we would give that report back to the congregation. 
saying, here are the things that we've been working on. Here are some steps forward. And this is where we feel that we need to put our energy. December, we would take off because we need to celebrate Advent together. And we need to have a great, great Advent season here at WCC. So we spend that time together. In January of 2023, then the elder team would put together a search team. That search team in January and February would work on those profiles, the profile of the pastor, the community, and the church, and also work on any of the mechanics before we ever post the position. And sometimes if we have time, I mean, I go through stuff like we go through mock interviews just because lots of times people on a search team, they've never done this before. And so being able to understand what the profile is and we'll listen to sermons together, just we'll find different pastors, listen to sermons and we'll, we'll just, well, how does that fit with our profile? You know, kind of thing. So we do some type of training like that so that when the resumes come in, the search team feels a little more confident on what they're doing. So hopefully, then by March, or prior to Easter, we would, we would finally post that position uh, to the World Wide Web and all the different places where the elders feel it's most appropriate to post it. And we would then, you know, at that point, we're waiting on God, okay? We're waiting on who will read those postings, who will apply for the position, and the and then the search team would work through that. I would hope, I would hope that by this time next year or in the summer of 2023, that we would hopefully have a new pastor at the church. That's my timeline. That's one I run in my head because that keeps me moving as I go along. But if there are places where we need to pause and stop, we pause and stop because the health of the church is more important than, than that new pastor coming in immediately, kind of thing. The health of the church working on that is more important so that we call the right guy in. So that kind of, um, My goal, I don't go through a pastoral transition, rather grow through a pastoral transition. I kind of alluded to that this morning. It, this is not wasted time. I hope you don't see that as wasted time. It's not wasted time to me. Um, it's very important time in the life of this church that I, I'm expecting to see people that God brings through the doors of this church um, during this time. I'm expecting to see people professing and confessing that Jesus is their Lord. I'm, I'm expecting to see baptisms that happen. I'm expecting to see new ministries pop up within the church because people are getting involved in what's happening. So I don't see this as, a, oh, we'll just wait until the next guy comes. No, we're going to do anything and everything possible uh, before the next guy comes. And actually, there might be some issues that are you do hold over. But majority of them, it's the things that you know you already need to do. And we just need to get going on those. Okay? So I don't just go through it. I expect us to grow through this transition. And some of the people that God will bring through the doors of your church during this time are going to be some key people in the life of this church. Let me tell you a story. Uh, in Medina, Ohio, um, so COVID, you know, COVID did a big dang thing, and it, it moved people around, and people that were traveling quite a while, ways to get to a church, you know, said, yeah, I need to find a church closer to home, and all that kind of stuff. Well, there was a lady that walked through the doors of the church, Joanne, 
And she came through and she told me that. And I always tell people right up front, I'm an interim pastor. I'm only here for a short time. We're working on that kind of thing. And she came the Sunday that we gave one of the reports, one of the reports about the things that we were working on. So it was kind of a different Sunday kind of thing. But she, afterwards, I kind of apologized. And, you know, and she said, no, no, no. Wow, I learned a lot about this church, you know. She said, but can I meet with you this week? Got a couple of theological questions. And, and so she came in and she told me, she said, yeah, I, this is the reason I'm, I'm searching out a church because my church was so far away looking for something. And, and a pastor friend of mine gave me five churches to look at. And she said, and, he's, and Weymouth Community Church was one of them. And so she said, that's why I'm here. But I think I was just going to go in order, you know, boom, 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 and then come back around again. That's what she was, her plan was. But she said, because it wasn't a regular service on Sunday and I didn't get to hear you preach, you know, the way that you usually preach and everything, I'm going to come back next Sunday. I said, okay, that's fine with me. And, And so she came back the next Sunday and she brought a friend and she came to Sunday school and she came back the next Sunday. I, th- I thought, what are you doing here? I thought you were supposed to go to another church. And she, she, after that service, she met me in the foyer and she said, you're stuck with me. Yeah, And I tell you, that lady um, joined in on Sunday school, joined in on women's Bible studies, now is doing a ministry in the church, became a member of the church like that, and just a valuable member of the congregation. And that came during a time of transition. It didn't even know who was coming next kind of thing, but during that time. So that's what's exciting about who God will bring through the doors of the church during this time. And they're coming here, especially when you... Now, I will say that, that I'm an interim pastor, and people will go the other way. Yeah, there will be people that go, oh, well, we'll see you later. When you guys get a real pastor, you know, then we'll come back, kind of thing. I'll get some of that. But most of them that when they come through and they fall in love with the church and they fall in love with the people, those are, I mean, God is blessing you when those kind of things happen. Um, four hats I will wear while I'm here. Pastor hat, typical role. So I become your pastor. And, and, and when you're in need and spiritual counseling and things along those lines, uh, calling in the hospital, all of those things, uh, those are things I do. Bringing a message. Um, any other spiritual uh, encouragement that's needed, that's, that's what I do. I become your pastor. Now, I'm very sensitive to Pastor Al um, because of him being a pastor here for 32 years and, and very accommodating, like, like if there was a funeral and the family wanted Pastor Al to do the funeral. Well, I'm going to say, yes, Pastor Al, do the funeral kind of thing. There's no territorial kind of thing going on there. But, but as far as anything else that's around there, um, I'll be your pastor. I, I want to know you by name. Um, I want to know more about you. And um, I, I do want it in a, in a little way. I do want it when I leave. But you're going to get somebody great when I leave that you go, oh, I'm going to miss him. I hope so. I hope so. That means we've made a connection. We've made it because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a consultant hat. I'm somebody with outside eyes. So I ask a lot of questions, and, and I don't mean to be, um, don't take it as an offense. I'm just trying to figure out who you are, you know, so I'll ask questions just to, to understand who you are and, and what you do, 
and things like that. But I am an outside eye, so I do walk through, and these questions I ask is because I don't know. And so you can look at that and go, well, we don't usually get that when a visitor comes in. A visitor doesn't ask all those kind of questions. A visitor just kind of observes and then makes up their mind and then maybe doesn't come back. Well, I'm going to stay. <laughs> so I'll ask it. So consultant in those areas. Coach hat, I'm an instructive cheerleader. I mean, I want to see each person flourish in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, you know, dealing first with the elders, I want to see the elders uh, blossom in their, in their role. I want to see each person on the staff just blossom in, in the way where God has placed them. Um, any ministry team leaders, I want, to, I want to be a cheerleader for them to encourage them as they go forward leading their teams. And so I'm, in, I'm a coach, instructive cheerleader to the congregation. And then last one, fourth the friend hat, a brother, brother in Christ, that I'm, I'm one who, I, I hope that we can laugh together and we can cry together. I'm hoping that as we go through the word, the, the word of God, that we grow together. Um, so, uh, especially to the men of the church, I'm really concerned about the men of the church. That we, that I can get brought into this brotherhood of WCC and be a part of one of the men of, of this church that's here. Um, oh, wait, I went the wrong direction. Oh, okay, stop. Yeah, this is the one where we're going to have to. I found this video. If you can stop it and go back to the beginning and stop, stop. Yeah, stop. <laughs> Well, maybe this is not going to work. Um, first off, let me set up what's happening. Okay, a year ago, Traverse City, Michigan, they have a cherry festival. And they have amusement rides that are brought in. And uh, the, the specific ride that you're going to see is this one that goes like this, you know. Woo! And what happened is there's something that went wrong with the ride. Um, the anchor points of the ride had apparently broken. And, and there's many people that videoed this. Um, and, and one side video, I mean, it shows how that trailer that this thing is on is lifting up like this. And, and the guy who's running the ride, he actually runs off, you know, he's like, I'm out of here kind of, <laughs> kind of thing while this ride is going. Okay. So that's one view of it. Now this view though, that we have here is, is more of a front view. And if we can stop it right there, can you, oh, <laughs> Is it not going to work that way? Okay, let me explain it first, and then we'll watch it. Okay, so you are going to see a young man with black or with tan pants and a black t top on. Okay, you're going to see this man, and he's going to come into view. And you'll first thing you'll notice is he's not videoing, he's not filming this. Okay, the second thing that you will see is you will see him do this. He will put his hands on his head. What's that a sign of? Distress. Yeah, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Something needs to be done kind of thing. So he puts his hands on his head. The next thing that you will see is he will go out of the picture. He will go out of the picture for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you'll see him again up by the ride. 
and you'll notice you'll notice his tan pants and his black top and and he must be an engineer but he figured out what he needed to do by the time he had his hands here to getting to that ride and the next thing you'll see is he'll be the first one that jumps on the ride and he'll jump on right in the middle of the ride and he'll lean back just like sailors do you know when the sailboats are out there and they lean back he so he figured out what to do in that short amount of time to jump on that ride in the center now of course he's assuming and hoping that there will be other people who do the same thing <laughs> you know and and what's interesting he's the first one he's the first one he jumps on there then you will see there will be others He'll start to jump on the ride and hold it back kind of thing. Okay? Now, I, I show this video because that's who we're looking for. The church in America is coming off its rails. And a lot of people are watching it. But there will be some people out there that will see that the church in America is, it, it, they'll stop and they'll go, they'll do this. Distress over it. But they won't stay that way. They're going to figure out how we, how we save this baby. And they'll be the first ones to jump onto the ride to hold it back down to the Word of God. And they're giving you an example to follow. That's, that's the guy we're looking for. We're looking for the guy who sees the distress, sees the situation, evaluates the situation, is the first one to jump on the ride, and he's, look, he's doing it as an example for the rest of the church to jump on with him. Now, there will be others that will jump on at different times. You'll watch that in the video. They'll, they'll jump on at different times, and that's usually what happens. There's people right away that will follow, and then farther on. But there's one other guy you'll see in this. Halfway through, once the guy jumps on the ride, there's another young man that comes into view about the same spot where you see the first guy. And he's got a green hoodie on. And on the back of his green hoodie, it says, coach. But notice where his hands are. His hands are in his pockets. And then he moves his hands from his pockets. He does one of these. And he's watching this. And then all of a sudden, he walks the other way. That's not the guy we're looking for. Okay? <laughs> Just because it says coach on the back doesn't mean he's a coach. Just because you get resumes in that says, I'm a pastor doesn't mean necessarily a pastor. And therefore, we put discernment into place so that we're looking for the right things, so that we're looking for that guy who's going to take action and, and, and lead the congregation with, through his actions. Okay, so I think I told that enough that now you're going to... So you watch for the guy with the brown pants and the black shirt, watch his hands go to his head, out of the screen... He'll come back into the screen. He'll be the first one to jump onto the ride. You'll see the others start to join with him. You'll see the guy with the green hoodie come into play with the coach on the back and watch him exit the scene. Um, and, and then you can also watch like all the other people. You know, they're not. There's one guy with a black shirt with red stripes on it. He'll walk up there. He, the guy that is in the brown pants, he'll run right by him. He's just kind of watching him, and he watches him jump on the ride, and he still stands there watching. And then there's other people that jump on there, uh, too, and he's still kind of watching what's going on. And then finally, finally he goes, oh, maybe I should do that. 
you know? <laughs> so you'll see where human nature, where we, we come on to this whole thing different times. So, okay, so let's just let it roll then. There's our guy. Hands to the head, goes out of the picture. There he is again. And he jumps on the middle. And then all of a sudden, here come the people running up. There's our guy, Coach. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he walks the other way. And I think if you let this run through, there's a little short clip of seeing it from the other angle before they hop on here, and you see how terrible this situation could have been. I think if we just let it run a little bit more. Yeah, right here. So you can see, yeah, you can see the ride is just rocking and rolling. So uh, there's the, the guy that's running it's going, ah. But I just, I, I love that video in many different ways just to say, okay, that's what walking through this process helps us have discernment so that we see the person that God wants us to have here as your next pastor. Okay, I talked an awful lot there. So, time for questions. Time for questions. And, and, and you can ask anything, yeah. I'm assuming they want the mic to come to you. So I was just wondering if you could share some of the questions you might be asking us, um, or if that kind of is based on the MIT and you'd do that after, but... No, no, it's before, and yeah, and you'll get those like on a Sunday in a bulletin or, or a handout and everything. So one of the questions usually is, um, what are, well, you know, like how did, are you connected to this church, how you came to this church? Another question would be, if you were going to... Um, if you were going to say, what are three real big positives of WCC? And then what are three uh, concerns you have about WCC? Um, another one would be, if you were going to describe the, your church with just three words, you can only use three words, what would they be? You know, um, another one would be, I mean, always the last one is, is, uh, is there anything you think I should know? <laughs> You know, so it's along those lines where I'm just, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have those published ahead of time so that you will have them and you'll, you'll be able to look at them. And we can talk about anything. Those are just like starting points, but there are connection points to see how other people respond to those. Does that answer? Yeah. So we've all had a chance to know who you are, and we've all hashed it over, and most of us think you are just awesome. But I would like to know, you've told us about the process and whatever what we're, we will be going through. I would like to know, what do you think is your weak point, your strong point, and what do you enjoy about this most? Um, my weak point would be... Sometimes I'm learning to be better at this, but sometimes I don't act as quickly as I should in the past. So something needs to be done, and um, maybe I wait a little bit too long. And I've been learning to, to handle that quicker so that when I see it and the Spirit brings it before me, 
that I realize I can, I can step forward in this and address what I'm seeing right in front of me kind of thing. So that's a weak point I'm really working on. I mean, in the last church I was in, I build strong relationships with people. Maybe that's the strength. I build strong relationships with people, get to know them really well, help them walk through. There's a young man in the church that was just so frustrated, frustrated with how the church has been all the time. And as we're going through this process, I mean, I'm so excited about it, you know, and 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 what we're going to be doing and everything. And and I I said to I said to him, you know, what do you think about this? Oh, I've seen us all before. We're never going to go anywhere with this, you know, kind of thing. He kept, you know, walking him off the plank, you know, and get back into the ship kind of thing. And um, in which there was a lot of progress there. But we were at a, a, a church meeting. And he was really discouraged with something that they were talking about. And, and he, he, he made a statement to the leader of the, the meeting. And he said, you know, and he said it in a way that it came out as a threat. You know, not, not a threat on their life, but a threat that if, if this doesn't go forward or if this goes forward, then, then I'm, I'm not going to be a part, you know, kind of thing. And it was in that moment, it was like, okay, do I say something? And I had built enough relationship with him to say, okay, I need to do that right now. It's in a public meeting. He did this publicly. He did it publicly before somebody else, you know. Can I do this? And so I just stepped to him and I said, hey, you know, we won't go any farther in this meeting because that was set as a threat. And you'll never get anywhere beyond if a threat is given. And, and at, I was so thankful at that moment he just broke down and cried. And he asked for forgiveness. And after the meeting, he came up and hugged me. He hugged the leader of the, of the meeting and said, I'm so sorry. I realize. And thank you. Thank you for stepping in and correcting me on that. So, so I'm trying to be more in tune to say, okay, there are times that you need to step quicker than later kind of thing. And of course, you need to be I would say, led by the Spirit in those situations. Strong point is strong relationships with people. I can't remember the third one. Oh, about, yeah, what I like to do. Oh, there's so many of them, but one of them is I have the opportunity. I was in an appointment system, okay? And so they pulled you out of a church and put you into another church. That's fine. But sometimes the person they put behind you, oh, it just fell right apart. And, and your heart just ached for the church that you had spent so much time on because, because the person that was put in there by an outside entity, you know, didn't spend the time to know that congregation kind of thing. And so I'm in a position now where I can help churches to have better discernment, and the church actually is the one who decides, is down to the final decision of who their next pastor will be. And so I hope and I pray, as I am a good pastor to you, that I will be a picture of what you will be looking for in the new pastor. Not that they're just like me, but, but the character qualities that I hold on to from the scriptures, that's what we'll be looking for in a new pastor. And so I get an I get a opportunity to be a part of that. 
And so, man, my heart just wells up when I zoom in, or when I when I go on Facebook Live and I watch Machias Valley Baptist Church and see it flourishing and see Pastor Zach up there preaching away, you know. And I I got I get to be a part of that. Watch the be a part of the church finding uh, or realizing who God had put before them. And same thing when Medina, two churches came together. <laughs> I got to sit in on that. Two church uh, leadership teams came together about this one guy, and it was like a range marriage. Uh, and, and to see that happen and to feel really great about that, I guess I'm thinking, because I want there to be strong local churches. I grew up in a local church. It's my local church that discipled me. And so I want to see that re- reproduced over and over and over again. Anybody else? Um, I guess this would be, uh, hopefully I can get the gist of this across reasonably well. Um, it, in, as, the pro, as you laid out the process, I guess it would be a call to my brothers and sisters who are part of this church. It seems to me that the personal interviews, where you're starting, is, is really foundational, that you're going to find out who we are. Yeah. Well, in, in my nature, you know, I, I might want to present the best of me. And maybe you're discerning enough to, to, to see through that. And maybe, maybe nobody else has that problem. And if that's the case, you'll only have to deal with one. But, um, um, but I, I guess I would call on my brothers and sisters, we need to be honest. Right. You know? right. And, and, and so you can get a clear picture of us. One thing that was said that, that, that kind of caught me by, and I, and I don't think you, it was meant to, to happen, you know, to, 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 to identify what we need to be doing and, and, and getting about it. Guys, we don't need to appear that we're concerned about it and getting to it because that's selling a false bill to, to whoever our next pastor is. Right. We need to be about those things. We need mm-hmm. to decide individually. I mean, the, 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 the direction that we go as a group will be determined by who we are and where we're going as individuals, I think. So I guess it would be a call um, for all of us to, to, to be honest. I guess we, we, don't, we can put on our Sunday best, but we probably need to be a little bit honest. Yeah. And as we assess ourselves, um, we probably need to individually decide whether or not that's real or not, or whether or not we, as individuals, want to be a part, of the, a part of the solution and move in that direction. Because as we present, we are who we are. Let's be sure that we are honest about who we are as we're looking for our, our next pastor, because if we're not, um, that has, is the fire seeds, perhaps, of problems that we don't want to deal with. So yeah. just a, a call on, along those lines. Yeah, and the discernment process on the other side, too, we want to make sure that the person that we're looking at is who they really are, too, because that can happen on that side, too, backfire, where you, you a person interviews really well, and wow, they're just wonderful. And... Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Hi. Hi. Um, so we're humans, and no human likes to have their faults or their stubbornnesses or their inabilities to change uh, pointed out to them. We are also stubborn, stubborn creatures who... <laughs> sometimes believe that we know the route our lives should take better than God. And so we 
sometimes tend not to listen when clearly he's pushing us in one direction. So have you ever experienced, or how would you if you haven't experienced this, a congregation that did not want to see their faults, um, a congregation that did not want to own the ways in which they may be excluding people or the ways in which they may not be open to serving God? Or have you ever dealt with a congregation that you felt and others in the congregation or the leadership team felt like God was pushing the church in one direction or towards a certain way, especially in today's society with the way churches are going? Um, And that congregation did not really want to listen to what God was saying. Um, How did you, how do you handle that? How do you help that church? Because I feel like that's a big, a big issue with American churches and Mm -hmm. a time of finding a new pastor is really a time where we could either go the direction God wants to go. We could admit the areas that we fail and we struggle in, or we could go the way of a lot of other churches. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to know if you've ever dealt with that and how you handled it. And if not, how would you approach that? Yeah. Um, I can say on, on the IPM level, um, like, like the organization, um, there, there are stories of where IPM pastors have went into a church and they kind of put on the good front and got through part of the process and realized that th- this church was not interested in, in changing or, or receiving the instruction or, or proceeding, you know, with, when there's obvious things that are there. And uh, if the resistance was so great that IPM would pull that pastor back out of there and say, okay, we, we agreed to work together and to work through this process. Uh, I've fallen before, so. Um, but, but IPM has, has pulled out pastors in that scenario because we are to be a team working together for that. Now, personally, have I been in those situations? Yes, I have. Not necessarily so much on a on a whole church thing, but more on individual areas kind of thing. And and um, I guess in my own personal experience, it's to be to hold to the line. I mean, and the line needs to be a spiritual line. Hold to that line, and 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 usually what has happened is wherever that resistance is that if you hold to God's word, that resistance will, won't have anywhere to go but leave. Now, I don't want them to leave. Actually, I try to exhibit as much grace as possible so that they won't leave or that they'll turn and they'll see what's here. But, but you know, I can't control them. And so sometimes that's what happens is that faction or that group kind of leaves. I always leave the door, always leave the door open. To that um, in our church plant, in our church plant, um, one of our founding families, um, it, we had the building finally had the building put up and everything. They're a huge part of that church, and I watched that man. Something changed. There was something that changed spiritually that changed in him, and he got more negative and more negative and more negative about the church, and even in meetings and stuff like that. I remember one time coming up to him and saying, personally, 
saying, hey, you need to apologize. There were people in that meeting and they took offense at what you said and you need to go and apologize to them and just, you know, make things right. And I mean, what came back at me was just like, who do you think you are? You know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, but I just kept holding the line of where it was. But there finally became a, a day when he called me and he said, hey, my wife and I want to meet with you at our house. And I was so thankful I did not take Stephanie with me. I just went on my own. And uh, I sat down with them. And for the next hour and a half, I mean, they just berated me over and, and finally ended it with, um, you know, we can't be under your leadership anymore. And, I, and so I, I, hardly, I hardly said anything. I felt like God, uh, the Spirit was directing me, don't defend yourself. And it, while I, I went out to the foyer or their entryway, get my shoes back on while I'm bent down tying on my shoes, and I'm trying to hold back the tears, you know, that are coming. And I stood up and I looked at them, and they're smiling. We are so glad that we've had this talk with you. I hope, we hope you have a good day. <laughs> and I was just like, oh man, just get me to the car, get me to the car, you know, kind of thing. So um, now, have I had other situations where it's went the other way? Yes, I've had those situations too. But again, I, the Spirit of God has to touch that person's life for them, to, their heart to be changed about it. So, um, you know, that, that's where we, we really work hard about us being a family. And everybody in the family is important. Everybody in the family, I want to know everybody in the family. And I want them to know the love. And so sometimes in a church, and especially, I can, you probably could feel it a little bit here because they, you do have people that are coming and going in seasons kind of thing, that you might not know each other as well as you probably should. And so maybe that's something that will come up on that survey. Maybe that's something that will come up in the conversations, you know. Well, it's almost likely going to happen. So we had lunch or breakfast with the elders and their wives, and, and they were having a great time. And, and so finally I got to the point and I said to them, when's the last time you did this? And they said, we've never done this. And I went, oh. <laughs> and it's, it's, not a, it's not a jab at them. It's not a jab at them at all. It's just exposing that, wow, this is very valuable. And you guys are experiencing something that's very valuable right now. You need to keep doing this. You need to keep getting together at times, uh, husbands and wives together, and having that deep fellowship with one another. And just I'm just pointing it out that this is the right thing to do, even though it hasn't been happening. You know, I'm not throwing a stone about that. I'm just saying, no, you're experiencing when you do the right thing the benefit that comes from it. Yeah. Was that enough? Okay. Okay. Yeah, way more than enough. Almost fell off the platform. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, I was just wondering if uh, you were aware of Pastor Robert's role here and how does that mm -hmm. tie into what you're going to be doing here? Right. So an interim pastor comes in and he works with the staff that he has. And, and, um, and so I will give, uh, and actually I've, I've conversed with Pastor Robert. I've emailed back and forth with Pastor Robert. been very thankful for his work on the housing and everything. 
Um, I am uh, assuming uh, that when he gets back from sabbatical, that we'll have regular times that we get together and we will talk ministry together and understand him more and his role here in the church. Um, and, and I'll do that with everybody. I'll do that with Aaron. Um, I want Aaron to flourish in the music ministry here at the church to keep the congregation singing unto the Lord. Um, I'll do that with the, with the office staff, um, everybody like that. But especially, especially the, the staff that you have hired specifically, I want to encourage them and what they're doing. You know, and I look at all of them. I, you know, as soon as I walk into this building, we're a team, okay? We're, we're a team. Just like when I walk into the elders' room, we're a team working together on this. That's my, my concept of it. So I'm looking forward to meeting Robert in person. Oh, this looks like trouble. <laughs> Hi. Um, Hi. I really like your outfit, by the way. But um, I was wondering, what is something that you've been learning about God lately? Oh, what I've been learning about God lately is um, how I need to uh, wait. Now, now, I just said to the lady back there <laughs> that sometimes I need to act more quickly on certain things when the Spirit... But there's other things. I need to just wait a little bit longer. I need to wait on him because he's got an answer to it. I just don't know what it is yet. And I'm, sometimes I get a little anxious and I want to go ahead and, and it's to stop and wait and see God unfold what he has already planned rather than me orchestrate it. So that's kind of the thing that I've been learning the most lately, watching it through the last church um, walking through the furlough that we've had this time, just waiting on the Lord, and He's gonna He's gonna answer that prayer when when it's time. I mean, overall things that I've learned, uh, I always learn so much from every book of the Bible that I go through. Um, you know, I'm kind of like like excited, like, okay, God, what's gonna be the book that we're gonna take WCC through? Because it, it's all gonna be new material. It's nothing I pull out of my back pocket kind of thing. It's, it's, and I learn it as you learn it. And so that gets me really excited about it. So like it just recently, I went through the book of Haggai. Oh man, I might do that again here um, if I'm here. Um, Haggai is, is such a powerful minor prophet book that you learn so much from as in this day as a church kind of thing. So um, those are kind of the things I've learned lately from the Lord. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I was just curious. Uh, how many hours would you say it takes to create a Sunday sermon? Wow. Um, it's less than it was before. <laughs> I remember when I was starting out, man, there were some Sunday mornings I was up at 2 a.m. still working on her. Um, it, it is less than it was before, but I think that's because I've spent more time in the Word. And so I have more to draw upon quickly than before. So I would say I probably spend a good 20 hours. and But that 20 hours is not just uh, writing it out. 
the 20 hours is studying it, it's, it's getting it into a format of preaching, it's thinking through it over and over and over again, it's revising it and everything. So there's, there's a lot of things away from just the study of that book kind of thing. So that's, that's where it really works out for me is I'm probably spending, you know, I remember at the church in Porter, they had a large lawn and part of the job of the pastor was to mow the lawn. And, uh, and they had a riding lawnmower. That was great because it was a big lawn. And uh, so I would, yeah, I would preach this my sermon while I was out mowing the lawn, you know, I was just running through my head. I was, I was going through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do have on. All right. Yeah, I'll try it out. Yeah. What do you see as the the biggest issue that the churches in North America face today? And, and how does, how do, what do you see churches, what can churches do to push back against what that issue is? Yeah, I think, I think there are so many side issues that have come into the church that have derailed us from the Great Commission and discipleship. And so we've focused on, and it's not that we shouldn't focus on them, okay? So there's been a lot about social justice, and there's been a lot about these different things that are there. It's not that we shouldn't focus on them, but we should always focus from the word to them. Like, I don't like the word social justice. I like the word justice. Just justice. Just flat out justice. You know, because the word speaks about justice. And, and, and there's plenty in the word that lead, will lead us through uh, anything that happens in our world in how we as Christians are to respond to that. And so I think some of those issues in our church have, have risen to the top and have become the, the main thing that you're reading about in this publication and that publication and everything. And if a local church can stick with, we're here to make disciples. And we're here to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we're here to do these things that we already know. And we keep focused on that. Great, the, that's where the greatest unity is. Our unity is in Christ. In Him alone. That's, you know, in Christ alone, my hope. Yeah, that kind of thing. But it, 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 so many churches are get wrapped up in all these other things. And it becomes the focal point. And it, they get easily off track. So, yeah, I'm that person that has lots of questions. Sorry, everybody. Um, so you can all thank my dad. <laughs> um, so going kind of piggybacking off that conversation, um, we're called as Christians to love everyone. Uh, Christ ate with prostitutes. He, you know, ate, partied with the tax man. You know, he had a feast with the tax men. He was with the lowest of the low. He did not condone what they did. Right. He did not accept what they did, but he welcomed them to the table. And I feel like a big, one of the big things that a lot of American churches struggle with is they either go from one extreme to the other. They either, they don't want to see the lowest of the lows. They don't want to see the homosexuals. They don't want to see the people that struggle with their, their, their gender identity, the ones that struggle with social justice issues, the ones that are bitter, the ones that are alcoholics and addicts. They don't want them in their church, despite mm. the fact that we're a hospital for sinners. 
But on the other side, you have churches that accept them all. And then they say, okay, well, we'll accept everybody and we'll even, we'll even accept how you live your life. And we'll accept that you get up there and you preach or you serve in ministry despite the fact that you're, you're gay or despite the fact that you're, you're struggling with adultery. How, where, where do you stand in regards to that? How do you see yourself ministering and, and leading a church during this time that you're here to reach out to the lowest of the lows, to the people that struggle, that don't know Christ, that need to know Christ in a way that is not just loving and, and bringing them to Christ, but in a way that also stands firm in the fact that we don't agree with how you live your life. How do you plan? I don't know if that yeah, makes sense. You just said it. You just I don't know said if that it. makes sense. You, yeah, you just said it there. That's what you do is you keep bringing them to the table. You keep bringing them to do it. So wherever they are in their life, you keep bringing them to the table. You love them, but you love them with the truth. And so you, you realize that, wait a minute, if I'm truly going to love this person at some point and in, in God's going to open up the door, I need to speak to them about this issue in their life that goes against the word of God kind of thing. If you keep that from them, then that's unloving kind of thing. Um, and I know there's some on the other side of this that would, would you know, that, like you were saying, where the far side of this would say that's very unloving. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures say we are to speak the truth in love. So, so at, as he leads, we walk with that person in the truth of what the scriptures say. And, and sometimes that gets messy and that's hard. And, and sometimes that, um, it, it's, it, it is not a clean cut way of doing it kind of thing. But, but that's what you, the, the gospel always has to be out in front of us. So whoever we minister to, whatever they're like, the gospel's always got to be out in front of us because they need to know about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the one that transforms them and, and gets them, it, it, the Spirit gets them in line with the Word of God that's there. And, but, but that's a lot of work. That's, that's a lot of... Um, I, I just spent the last year with someone who um, every, every other Monday morning as an accountability partner uh, for this person who was walking away from a certain type of lifestyle and, um, and just uh, encouraging that that person was looking for um, real fellowship. That's what was missing in their life. And they were filling it up with this other lifestyle, and to say, well, I want to fill that up with real gospel church fellowship. And as he embraced that, his life started to change. You know, it, it started to really change because he was getting the, the, the fellowship that he needed to continue on because he had made in his mind this idea, this is what the Word of God says. I need to live by the word of God. If I'm a child of God, I need to live by the word of God, even though these are the things I struggle with. And he needed fellowship to keep going in that direction kind of thing. So it's a long, long process. But that's how I deal with it. I mean, you know, we all come from different backgrounds and different, and, and in our world today, yeah, it has changed greatly. 
you, you are going to have all kinds of situations, but this, the answer is still the same. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus and what Jesus has said, because that's what we run off of, what Jesus has said. Yeah. Um, we have young people leaving the church um, mm -hmm. in record numbers. What makes for a strong youth ministry or how and how we can keep youth coming? Um, well, I, you know, some of these are going to be my personal um, thoughts on these. For me, uh, youth ministry should kind of mirror what's going on in the larger church. So if, um, <clears throat> if the church is concentrating on knowing the Word of God and, and that's in the big picture thing, kind of thing, that should be also happening on the youth level also. Um, maybe at a different level, but, but that they would also be mirroring what's going on in the larger congregation. I would also say another thing is to see... <clears throat> See the family that you have. See the family, and they're part of the family. And to realize that, wait a minute, we're training up these children in the ways of the Lord. They're not only, not only in the home, but here in the church. And so how can we help train them up and them disciple them into positions in the church, serving in the church, things like that, that you look for those avenues for, the, for that young person to thrive. So, you know, I go back to myself and in this little church and, and everything and great Sunday school teachers. But when I got to sixth grade, if I was a substitute teacher for the third grade, okay, they had seen enough in me as a kid and I understood the word of God and, and I could teach third graders. So when the, sub, the third grade substitute needed, it, they pulled in the sixth grader. And said, Adam, we, you guys, you got this one. You know, and it gave me experience in that. In previous churches that we've been in, you know, um, highly involved in music. Um, and, and being able to work with the teenagers. And, you know, I was really thankful to see the children that were up on the platform this morning. And them to be a part of the worship service. That's part of it, you know, is that they feel, not just feel, they know they know they're a part of this church. This is their family. And I think the closer you get that bond together, the stronger that youth group will be. You know, and, and, and if that's happening, there will be children from other, because they're going to feel the love of the body. And there's going to be people coming here because of the love of the body that their kids are, are feeling, sensing, knowing. Yeah. Last round. You got a question? No. <laughs> You're staying with me, buddy. Okay. <laughs> I would tell you, I've, I've said this a couple times, and um, the worship, uh, you know, in your mission statement, it's about worship. And, and uh, I'm thankful that that's there. And it really is important to me when the people gather together to worship him. And so us and our times together are really precious.
to me. And I'm looking forward to the times and the sets that Aaron will put together and stuff like that where we can lift up his, his name. In the scriptures, there's two times that Paul mentions this. He says, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And in the context of that, he says, I want you to sing to one another or speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So in the context, he's telling us this is how we are to respond to one another in Christ. But he uses these musical terms. So he uses psalms, which are the very words of God. So as the deer panteth for the water, Psalm 41. Um, a, lot of, a lot of our kids' songs that we've made up are, are psalms in the sense they use God's very words. You know, this is my commandment, that ye love one another. Okay, hymns are about him. Hymns are about him. And their focus is on him. So, so crown him with many crowns. Songs like that, that the focus is all on him kind of thing. So, you used to have hymnals. And in the hymnals, they were not all hymns. You get what I'm saying here? Because there are songs in there that were, that were not, that reached into the other development, spiritual songs. Spiritual songs are songs where we bring ourselves into the equation and, and they, they include us as the response to it. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about I. And so a lot of the songs in the hymnal that, we, that lots of times people love are a lot, I call them I songs. Now, I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I call them I songs. Some glad morning when this life is o'er, who's going to fly away? I'll fly away. Who's the focus on? Yeah, me, me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I'm not saying those songs are bad. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that those, that's the type of songs they are. Now, in the context of the passage, in the context of the passage, he says you are to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So there's a time when I'm going to go speak to Aaron, and you know what Aaron needs to hear from me? The very words of God. Psalms, chapter and verse. Another time I'm going to talk to Aaron, and, and what he's going to need to hear from me is all about him. Be reminded of the attributes of God. There are other times when I'm going to talk to Aaron, and I'm going to, what he needs to hear is my personal experience, how God has touched my life. And so in church, and so it's, so the scriptures help us to rephrase that whole music thing, okay? Helps us to rephrase it and see it. These are the three things that we need to be talking about. And so in a good service, you will have those three elements that are there. You'll, you'll have songs that are, are, are God's very words. You'll have songs, um, like, like the song that we sang this morning. One of them was right out of Hebrews. But we'll have songs that are about his words. We'll have songs that focus just on him. And then we will have songs that are our response back to him. And see, when a person walks through the doors of the church, they also need to hear that. They need to hear you sing God's very words. And, wow, these people love this God so much that they will even recite his words. They need to hear songs, you sing songs that just glorify who he is. We need to do that. And then they need to hear songs where you have been so touched. These people are crying. 
Tears are running down their faces. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. This is whose story? My story. Yeah, so I, I, I hope I said that in a way you realize that I'm not picking on any one of those songs. I'm just giving it a new terminology. That's not a new terminology. It's a biblical terminology that we follow through and realize how important it is that even in the context of the passage of Scripture, where this is how we respond to one another at times, this is even how we respond as a congregation at times in lifting our united voices to the Lord. Yeah, so I don't know why I felt like I had to say that, but it's just it's, it's a struggle in a lot of churches. And when you start to change the terminology between hymns and choruses and contemporary and all this kind of stuff, and get away from those terms, and you go, let's go to what the Bible says. Hymns, uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And, and once you get that in your head, you'll start to identify it. The problem is, many in many churches, there's too many I songs. That, that you'll have a whole service that's all I, 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 kind of thing. And, 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 and you realize that, wait a minute, we need time to say, Him, behold our God, seated on the throne. You know, we, we need those times when we focus in on Him. The radio station doesn't help us. The top 10 songs on the radio almost all the time are all I songs. And if I ask you, who have been a part of the church for a long time, what's your favorite hymns? A lot of them will be I songs that you, that you bring up. There won't be too many crown hymn with many crowns or, you know, the, the ones that are in the front of the hymnal, typically. But things like that. I, maybe I said that because I want you to see that I'm your pastor. I would be your pastor. I would take you into areas maybe that you don't even bring up. I would want to teach you it, it, to have greater health and who you are to have greater unity with, with one another. That's here. I have a whole sermon on that. Find it online. You listen to it. Thanks. And yeah, and feel free to do that too. I know they've given you all the information. Yeah. Um, I would say listen to the later ones rather than the earlier ones. I think I'm, I think I'm a little more polished as I go along, you know, go all the way back to Gaylord. Woo! Yeah. Okay. So thanks for your time for being here um, and getting to know a little bit about the Wolfgangs and the uh, the Holy Board. Really, we're sold. And God has really put it on our hearts that this is the right guy. And, you know, I hope that you've had an opportunity to get out there. We didn't give you all the info that was given to us as a candidate. You know, I got references from the last people, that places he served. I made those phone calls, and I talked to those elders. And I wanted to know, what are his strengths? What are his, his weaknesses? And, and who is he as a person? He's a people person. You know, he's a relational individual. And then, and then, all across the board, what I heard was, you will be blessed to have Adam. If you get Adam, you will be blessed. So God's hand is on him. This is his calling to take people and, and community churches, um, local churches, through this transition. So get out there this week. Uh, make sure that you look back at some of the videos. Again, and I'll say this. 
He's speaking from the word, folks. So when he's teaching us, it's from the word. We need to have that solid, okay? And then the rest will be the gifts of his training and his ministry over the years that's going to walk us through the five stages to get to the end where we have Pastor Next in front of us. All right? So excited for that. Please be here next week as we have an opportunity to vote. And um, yeah. any and concerns, do that. Reach out to us. Yeah, and thank you again for your hospitality. Wife and I are so blessed. This weekend has been really, really great. Next And tomorrow morning, we fly out uh, at 1.50 um, from Appleton. Um, so I got the morning free. And so I'm actually meeting with Pastor Al tomorrow morning for breakfast just to get to know him. And, and, uh, and, and that's part of the whole process, too, is, is getting, I mean, I make more contacts than just within the church. Anybody that I make contact with outside of the church, lots of times I'll ask them, what, what about Washera Community Church? Now, sometimes you hear good things and sometimes not so good things, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, and all that stuff just, you know, I, I just process all that stuff. It doesn't make me, because I'm for you. I am for you. So somebody could say something just really, you know, kind of thing. And I don't bring that back and say, well, that's what they're, that's what they're like. No, because I know because I'm with you what you're like, what you're like. So, so I'm for you and for you as a body of believers. Yeah. So thank you for the hospitality. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for the day. We thank you for the message this morning that we were able to have in our hearts um, that was given to us. Um, we thank you that uh, we had an opportunity just to have some one-on-one -on -one time. Father, we know you have the perfect, perfect plan, as I read earlier. The perfect plan for us is right before us. Um, I just ask that you would lay it on the hearts of this local body for each individual that calls WCC home to have a solid um, affirmation as well in their heart when they come to vote and uh, to uh, move us in the direction of our, our interim. So we pray for the day and the week ahead. May we glorify you in all we do and say. And we ask that in your son. Amen.